Technology.ie. It's Wednesday, October 7th, 2015. Technology.ie is brought to you by Ireland's premier hosting and domain registration company, Black Knight. Black Knight offer a comprehensive range of hosting and domain solutions for businesses of all shapes and sizes, no matter where they are in the world. This is Conor Mwinichon in the Black Knight studio. This week, the European Court of Justice ruled in the Schrems case uh, in relation to complaint taken by Max Schrems from Austria, uh, a complaint he made to the Irish Data Protection Commissioner in relation to Facebook uh, transferring user data to the United States. I'm on the line with Simon McGar from McGar Solicitors in Dublin. Simon, first of all, what's your involvement in this case? I'm the solicitor for Digital Rights Ireland, who are an amicus curiae, a friend of the court, added by the court to this case uh, prior to sending it to the EU. And bring us back just very briefly and recap, if you would, on the story. The original complaint was made by uh, Max Schrems to the Irish Data Protection Commissioner, who has jurisdiction in Europe uh, when it comes to Facebook because they're headquartered, their European company is headquartered in Dublin. Yes, he made a complaint. He said that, in his opinion, following the information that had been revealed by Edward Snowden, he had doubts that Facebook were transferring his data to the United States and that they, that data would uh, be adequately protected when it got there, given what was then known about the PRISM mm. uh, um, uh, surveillance system that had been um, set up by the National Security Agency, the NSA, a national signaling agency, mm. I think, um, in relation to um, EU data. And the Data Protection Commissioner dismissed the complaint, uh, saying that it was frivolous and vexatious because uh, it said that the data was covered by the safe harbour agreement between the European Commission and the United States. Um, what is that agreement, uh, Simon? Yes, it actually is. Um, it's a very peculiar thing to be called an agreement. Mm. It's an exchange of letters between the European Commission and the um, uh, US government, where the Commission um, asked for reassurances in relation to how things are done in the United States with relation to data. And then a, uh, a further set of list of names is kept by, um, by the US government of companies who agree to mostly self-certify that they are behaving well towards European da- uh, users' data. And if you followed all those rules and you were on the list and you had done what that was required in terms of self-certification, then you were deemed to be part of the safe harbour agreement, as about 4,500 companies were. Now, the, the, the issue here really is the fact that in Europe we have uh, quite uh, rigid data protection laws in many ways. There's a European directive uh, which uh, exists and arising out of that, there's legislation implementing that in each one of the EU member states. And that uh, data protection legislation is quite strict about the reasons you must, uh, you must have a good reason for collecting data. You mustn't collect any more than you need. You mustn't keep it for longer than you should, this kind of thing. There, there doesn't exist a similar framework, really, in the, the United States, does there? No, this is definitely a major culture difference in the legal systems between the United States and the uh, EU. And what the court has said is that it, it, the data protection rights aren't just now a matter of national legislation. They're not just a matter of mm. EU legislation, the directive. They're actually part of the Charter of Fundamental Rights. There's now a separate data protection right, separate and distinct, and in addition to your right to general right to privacy, uh, written into the Charter of Fundamental Rights. The result is that when the Commission, when the commission makes a decision in breach of that charter, mm-hmm. as, the, as the court finds, that decision, the court found, 
it has the power to strike that decision down, and it did so. So the decision in this case was that there was adequate protections using the safe harbour system, and the court has struck down that finding of advocacy this week. So what have what does this mean uh, for the specific case uh, of Max Schrems versus Facebook? Well, for uh, Mr. Schrems, um, the Data Protection Commissioner's reasoning for uh, refusing to investigate is gone on two counts. One, the count that they argued that there was a decision that found that it was adequate is now no longer valid. And two, the court found that even if there was a decision, there should have been an investigation. And if needs be, the Data Protection Authority here in Ireland ought to have taken a case in order to ensure that they could investigate and if needs be, had challenged the decision themselves. None of that happened. It's gone back to the Irish courts for a number of quite minor uh, remaining administrative issues to be dealt with. And then um, uh, that probably won't take more than half a day. And after that's finished, it will be up to the Data Protection Commissioner to commence an investigation into the United States' intelligence uh, system and to decide whether the United States is providing an adequate level of protection, given what is now known about that system for EU uh, citizens. The initial response of the Data Protection Commissioner, you know, regardless of, of whether you would agree with it or not, uh, it could be said that that might be reasonable enough in the context. Uh, the High Court certainly thought the question was worth referring to the European Court of Justice. Do you, do you think this is a helpful ruling for uh, data protection authorities in Europe uh, to have this clarification and this ruling from the Court of Justice? Well, the data protection authorities of Europe have the independent overseers in national at national mm. level have been enormously strengthened by this decision. They now have the power to make investigations, and indeed not just the power, but an obligation is put on them by the court that they must investigate matters even where there has been a European-wide decision issued from the European Commission. And if needs be, they can take necessary uh, uh, litigation to challenge that European decision if their investigation discovers that the facts do not warrant the decision that has been made. Simon, what happens now? Um, I mean, I've, I've heard various uh, things on it from uh, people saying there's nothing to worry about on the one hand to other people saying this is very serious, has serious implications for uh, trade, for uh, digital business between Europe and the United States and has serious implications for, um, let's say, US companies who, who want to trade in Europe, uh, who want to process data from European users and, uh, and who may find themselves now unable to do that. What is the, What do you think is the the implications of this uh, in general? I think, first of all, there's no question that it is significant. And I think it's going to take a short period of time, not a long period of time, for that significance to unfold out into the public gaze. We've seen a lot of a holding statements issued in relation to business carrying on as usual, no change. We can always use different methods of transferring data. But those different methods, such as model contract clauses, rely on the same presumption Uh, that the safe harbour agreement relied upon, that the United States government wasn't going to take a copy of all the data, a presumption which the court has now effectively uh, rebutted and struck down. So there's no question but that there is going to be a significant requirement uh, for technology companies to examine how do they process data, where do they process Mm. it, where can transfers across the Atlantic be minimised or reduced or eliminated altogether. I think we're probably going to see something of a boom in... uh, data storage and processing in the EU. And uh, it may well be that Ireland is the beneficiary of that boom, given the way that uh, 
the, um, the, <laughs> the data industry has gone and the fact that the technology companies are here anyway. If it's going to happen anywhere, it may happen here. Here or in the far Arctic north of, uh, of the EU, potentially in order to make use of the fact that it's cost less to, to uh, cool down mm. the incredibly hot, energy-heavy uh, data centres. So, so that's one practical way uh, to address this, would be that uh, data which is taken from European users would be stored and processed and controlled uh, within Europe and not outsourced to And it should be said that American there are parent. large companies trading around the world, mm. the Googles and the Facebooks and other household names, as well as those that work for enterprise companies, who already have to do this. Hmm. This is an already familiar method, and the systems for ensuring that this can happen are already part of any global network, simply because countries such as Russia and countries such as China hmm. require that similar levels of localization happen. Now, on the one hand, we don't wish to see a balkanized Internet with different rules uh, occurring in different areas, but on the other hand, if, the, if you wish to have a global network you have to make sure that in order to do business in each in each territory, you comply with the law. And the other issue that should be said is, what is the consequence of this? There is no doubt, but that the idea of uh, personal data as a tradable and uh, commodity is now anathema to the EU's um, uh, most fundamental laws. Mm. Mass surveillance is absolutely anathema to the fundamental rights of European citizens. The European Court has said that in this case and in the Digital Rights Ireland case. And in addition, the Google Spain case has ruled on the limits of um, data as a uh, as a profit center uh, where those where those um, where the use of that data might uh, contravene the personal rights of the individual. So what we see is a court that is very much staking out a series of um, of case law um, uh, precedents which say that the court is saying the privacy and the dignity of the individual will hold primacy out beyond anything that mm. a company or in, indeed industry may wish to use. And that includes the uh, surveillance industry. And so what they've ruled in this case, uh, specifically, I suppose, a, a simple way to put this as well would be to say that what the court has ruled yesterday is that data protection authorities in Europe uh, have the right and the obligation to pursue the data and and to satisfy themselves that um, European rights and European data protection laws are are protected uh, no matter where that data is stored and, and processed. And, and, and they must do that even in occasions where their local laws or even European laws appear to tell them that they, are, uh, they, are, they should not make such a, a finding, an adverse finding. Mm. And if they get to the point where they believe they should make such an adverse finding and they're prevented from doing so by local or European laws, they should take the necessary legislative steps to challenge those laws in the courts and are finally uh, so that they can be ma uh, allowed make the decisions they need to make in light of the facts that they have discovered. So this is a very onerous duty that has been put on the data protection authorities, but is unquestionably a duty which if they don't have it, the court finds uh, that the citizens' data is not properly protected. An independent mm. data protection authority is core to the, the principles of data protection. And the requirement for independent oversight is not just a, a requirement uh, for administrative purposes. It's been written in as an equal 
uh, right to your actual right to data protection, the requirement for independent oversight into the Charter of Fundamental Rights. It's sounding almost a bit like a, a constitutional um, uh, requirement, really, or, con- you this know, in the same way. This is a constitutional requirement. This yeah. is a constitutional case. This is a decision on a constitutional matter. This is as though the United States mm-hmm. Supreme Court had spoken on an interpretation of the Constitution. And as you so, know, the Supreme Court in the United States, when it speaks, the rest of the mm. entire political and commercial world must accommodate itself to the outcome. So this Charter of Fundamental Rights is part of the EU Constitution? Yes. Okay. It is the bedrock document upon which uh, the treaties and then all subsequent legislation uh, uh, rest. Okay, so that's really interesting because, as you say, um, this is the this is the position, this is the line, this is the uh, judgment and interpretation of the charter by the by the European Court of Justice, and uh, they're telling basically uh, data data protection commissioners, um, you know, that that you have to protect these rights, they're constitutional rights, they're fundamental rights, but that's putting a lot of uh, a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, how would you say it? that's going to certainly put a lot of workload, uh, perhaps increased well, workload on no data protection. Office for the yeah. Data Protection Commissioner finds itself at the sharp end of the entirety of Europe's data protection regime mm. because um, because of the amount of data that's being stored and processed and handled out of Ireland because of, this is the headquarters for the non-US elements of most of these uh, multinationals mm-hmm. um, we end up uh, being the regulator for all of this data and the data protection and our data protection authority either is capable of doing that or if it is not, must ensure that it makes itself capable of doing that by whatever means it needs to. You talk about, um, I suppose, uh, trading in data as being anathema and uh, a light and a laissez-faire approach to uh, privacy being anathema uh, to, to European authorities, to European courts and legislators. Uh, similarly, um, over-regulation, as they would describe it, is anathema in many cases to United States uh, authorities. And they've been very comfortable, I'm sure, with this safe harbour provision, which allowed companies to self-certify themselves as complying are providing adequate protection for for data, uh, which was uh, was uh, transferred from Europe. Um, is there a case here, Simon? In in your view, is it going to have to come to a stage where uh, the Americans are going to have to put some kind of legislative or constitutional or regulatory framework in place, uh, which takes the burden off of uh, European authorities and takes the burden off of American companies, which may find themselves turning to their um, to their legislators or turning to their uh, government and saying, you know, help us out here, um, help us put this framework in place that allows us to do business with Europe. But there are negotiations that have been going on since 2013 in order to uh, increase the protections for um, European citizens' data when it's transferred to the US. Those negotiations haven't reached any conclusion. And the core problem in the negotiations are that the United States wished to do certain things with data, primarily, but not solely, on the uh, surveillance front. And the your EU Commission wished that they did not. And the power was all with the United States. And there was no way that the EU Commission could credibly compel the United States to move their position. So without an agreement, the agreement requires two sides to agree. The Commission proposed certain things. It's very likely that those proposals will now have to be revised and strengthened in the light of this uh, this judgment and the Commission can't do a deal which trades away anything that the court has found is 
fundamental to your to human rights. So the commission now has an absolute red line. It cannot go lower in terms of protections than the court has has found is required. And those protections the court has found are functionally, if not identical, but functionally equivalent to the protections that are recorded inside the EU. Now, either the European Commission asks for that, and I'm sure that they will, and then the, cho- the choice is, is, sits with the um, US administration to give the European Commission what it needs to do another deal or to refuse to do so. So, the, so the, it is within the gift of the US administration to agree or disagree. Now, what we have seen is immediately after the uh, judgment, already we see pressure being put on the uh, from the technology industry that this is a uh, this is a deal that must be done, and that pressure will come to bear, of course, in the EU. But there is only so much the EU can do; it must not go below what the court has uh, mandated, and that means the side uh, in those negotiations that has room to maneuver is the United States government. And so I am anticipating, but I don't know for sure, but I'm anticipating that there will be very heavy lobbying of the United States government by the technology industry on the requirement to reach a deal and allow a true safe harbor deal to be uh, to be agreed, one which does meet the necessary level of protection for European citizens' data. It strikes me, Simon, that uh, such a a deal really boils down to whether or not you can trust uh, that uh, the NSA are looking at your data if it's stored on US servers. That's certainly a major issue, and it will come down to legislative provisions. In the United States. There will have to be legislative provisions in the United States will have to be changed before the United States would become a place which could meet the European Court of Justice's requirements. Sounds very interesting and, and certainly in the light of everything we've heard about Snowden uh, revelations and and uh, the uh, situation in, in the States. And from what I hear in the States, um, you know, uh, an, a huge amount of people involved in the technology industry are really not that concerned, you know, and they accept at face value the arguments this, you know, that this is um, uh, if you're if you're not doing anything wrong, you've nothing to worry about, that this is this is not U.S. citizens data, which, of course, has been shown to be false. Uh, this is in principle foreigners data, whether it's U.S. citizens or foreigners. These are customers of technology companies in the United States. And uh, it, it seems, well, one would hope perhaps that uh, business concerns may drive reform here uh, where where moral issues will not or have not well i mean there's there's no question but that if if there is to be an, an agreement between the eu and the us mm. um the most effective formula for reaching that agreement will involve pressure both from the outside from the eu and internal political pressure inside the us system mm. Um, coming back to the to Europe, uh, Simon, we're we're looking at obviously, as you say, this this is going to be uh, there's going to be some uh, stamping and dotting of i's and crossing of t's required in the High Court, and it's then the Data Protection, Protection Commissioner in Ireland will get down to investigate uh, this. Uh, what do you think is going to happen next in the Schrems case specifically? Oh, in the case specifically, mm. I mean, as I say, there will be a return to the High Court. There are a number of administrative questions that need to be dealt with uh, following the decision from the EU. Um, and then there will be a, a, a result from that from that court. But the European Court has already stated what it wants to see the mm. Irish Data Protection Commissioner starting to do, which is starting an investigation. Now, the investigation isn't happening in a vacuum. 
the court in the European Union had the benefit of a report from the European Commission. And that report sets out many of the problems with the the US government's um, uh, legislative framework in terms of the shortfalls in protections for the European Union. That's it's up to the uh, Irish Data Protection Commissioner to decide the weight to give to that. But nonetheless, that was a report which was produced um, with a considerable amount of uh, effort by the European Commission and which was quoted extensively by the European Court of Justice. So, as I say, the Data Protection Commissioner isn't doing this investigation in a vacuum. So the heavy lifting, uh, some of the heavy lifting has been done. and uh, There's certainly been other work already started on this front. Mm. And and in general terms, uh, what are what are going to be the implications of this? Uh, this is a specific case against uh, Facebook or a specific complaint in relation to Facebook. Uh, but it's going to have obviously Facebook is a b- big company with a lot of users in Europe. It's going to have uh, wider implications than that. I think Facebook is really. I mean, certainly it's important for Mr. Schrems. He has had his success, and that is very important. But really, the question here is, how is data in all forms, personal data in all forms, to be dealt? with? dealt with when traveling between the European Union and the European and the United States. And that's the thing that's going to take them the most time to deal with. I mean, I should say the judgment issued yesterday. Mm. It took me an hour just to read it. Mm. It's going to take me a considerable amount of time to digest it fully and think about its consequences. And I'm in the case and I'm familiar with all the aspects of the case that are that are uh, addressed. I think it is very early days to see what a uh, a judgment of this sort is likely to do uh, even over the medium term. Well, Simon, thanks for taking the time to talk to us and uh, it's going to be interesting, certainly, to see how this develops in the months ahead. Thank you very much indeed for asking me on. Mm-hmm.